You're listening to the Drive Forward Podcast. We're cruising through the latest in transportation to inspire a better tomorrow. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Drive Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jankowski. Today, we're chatting with Dallas Little, a professor at Texas A&M's Zachary Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering in College Station, Texas. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dallas. We're really excited to have you here. Let's go ahead and dive on in. Why don't you start off by telling me about your efforts at Texas A&M University? Well, I'm very pleased to be here, Emily. Actually, Texas A&M was the uh, first academic assignment I had. Started out as assistant professor almost uh, a little over 40 years ago. Our department has uh, really flourished over the past uh, several years. Uh, A&M is a very well-endowed university, and uh, we've uh, committed a huge investment towards uh, facilities to support infrastructure research. And one of these facilities that I might mention is the Center for Infrastructure Renewal. If you look at uh, the condition of our infrastructure, I think it's no surprise that the American Society of Civil Engineers has uh, ranked our infrastructures uh, the quality on a report card basis is somewhere around C minus to a D plus. So we need we need help in infrastructure. Well, speaking of infrastructure, I know you know the various materials that make up our roadways, like asphalt and concrete, as well as you know those oil-based substances like bitumen and sand and crushed rock. How do these materials interact with our roadways and impact the everyday driver? Well, uh, let's start with asphalt. And as you say, it's a petroleum product. It comes from uh, distillation of materials from the crude oil barrel. Uh, asphalt, because it's the uh, what's left over after all these uh, lighter distillates have been produced, it becomes a very complex compound chemically. The asphalt liquid that glues everything together is is a uh, distribution of compounds of various chemical types. And that makes it difficult to uh, to understand and makes it very complex chemically. It's kind of a polymer-like material and that means it's temperature susceptible and, and time susceptible. So it's, it's a difficult material to characterize. And that liquid, uh, that semi-solid, is mixed with uh, various types of stone and sand and, and gravel to produce a composite and that's one of the two primary surfacing products for our multi-trillion dollar uh, highway system the other is Portland cement concrete and in order to make that product work success successfully we really have to understand it from the link scale of the molecules that make up the asphalt bitumen or the bitumen or the, or the liquid that cements it all together to the way it interacts with the aggregate uh, and from there to the composite that's actually placed on the surface of the highway. If you turn then to the other major material, surfacing material, which is Portland cement concrete, then it's a ceramic. It's very different from that polymer-like asphalt. So it's hard, stiff, and, and ceramic-type material. In concrete, the cement powder reacts with water uh, to form a complex paste that goes through a chemical reaction and cements the aggregate or stone of various sizes together to form that hard complex or composite. So like the asphalt, the Portland cement 
composite must be understood from the length scale of the ceramic molecules that make it up all the way to the way it interacts with the with the rock, the stone, and the way it uh, is placed on the pavement surface. As the PCC functions over its life, the chemical reactions that uh, make it hard and, and uh, durable continue, they don't stop. The hardened cement glue reacts with the aggregate, sometimes that re and that reaction is generally positive as it continues to foster a stronger and stronger composite material. So as with asphalt, the Portland cement concrete requires the application of good material science from the very beginning and good construction engineering during placement. Then the engineer who's responsible for the long-term maintenance of the road must, must understand how to pick up on the signs that indicate that the stress is beginning and know what to do in order to uh, provide the proper maintenance and repair. In our multi-trillion dollar highway uh, complex, so we've got uh, two great materials, but materials that require a lot of good sound, understanding all the way from the uh, chemical composite, uh, chemical level, the individual molecules all the way to placement. Wonderful. And you mentioned about civil engineers having to kind of keep up with the, the maintenance of these roadways. And that reminds me, you know, here in Illinois, we, we joke a lot, right, that there's two seasons, construction and winter. But uh, that that's a great point. You know, a lot of what uh, civil engineers, at least here in Illinois, are tasked with is that maintenance of our roadways. And so understanding how those materials work in order to make them sustainable for um, the everyday motorist is is really important stuff. So I appreciate you explaining that. Um, and I know materials aren't just for our roadways. There's another side of that conversation, right? They're also critical for our airfield pavements and handling the traffic gear configurations in those heavy loads of our next generation aircraft. So how are civil engineers adjusting to creating sustainable and strong pavements that can withstand the speed and force from those weighty aircrafts in which they endure every day? Well, the basic chemistry and the basic fundamentals of the materials uh, really doesn't change. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's evaluated in the same way. Uh, what is different, though, is the is the loading and the complex gear configurations, the way that those loads interact. So, something we have to uh, we have to be cognizant. Of. Uh, I don't want to go off on uh, all of our individual efforts here, but we have been working with the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, for a number of years in uh, maturing a model that we've developed called PANDA for airports. PANDA is an acronym that stands for the Pavement Analysis of Nonlinear Damage Approach for Airports. You can tell that we work backwards on that acronym, but to, to make it come out to be PANDA, but uh, that's a, a long-term effort. And what we have had to do there, what's really important there is, is to be able to model that, for example, the asphalt surface in the way that the asphalt uh, changes under transient loads of different uh, periods. Uh, the aircraft move at a different speed and taxiways are very slowly. Slow moving aircraft provide a a uh, loading situation on the pavement that's far, far different from uh, from high-speed aircraft that might be on a, on a runway, for example. So you have to take those things into consideration. And you certainly have to take the into consideration the overlapping effect of the various 
complex gear configurations. If you look at something like an Airbus 380 uh, with all the different wheels and something, an aircraft that weighs 1.6 million pounds, it's very different than, uh, than even heavy trucks. In, in your analysis of the way that that aircraft impacts the pavement, you certainly have to take that into account. Uh, airfield pavements uh, actually age it in a different way than highway pavements. And the aging effect has to do with the whether or not you have a, a consistent level of loading or whether you have intermittent load. In an airfield pavement, for example, you have a, a great deal of the pavement structure that actually doesn't see a lot of loading, whereas the loading might be channeled in a specific area, such as the uh, location of the traffic down the taxiway, whereas much of the pavement will not go under the cyclic load. If a pavement doesn't go under that cyclic loading, it actually ages it in a different way and at a different rate than the pavement that goes under the, uh, uh, the cyclic loading because it actually moves those actual, those uh, molecular structures around and allows them to, uh, to be active uh, with each other instead of hardening over time because they're not they do not go under the effects of a, of a moving load. So it's a very interesting and dynamic process and, and the airfield pavements are quite different. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and speaking of prepping for the future of pavement, I know one of the things Illinois Center for Transportation has its sights set on is building an autonomous and connected vehicle track known as the Illinois Autonomous and Connected Track in Rantoul, Illinois. How do you see university-led initiatives like this better preparing students for the future of pavement research? Well, first of all, you have a, a true visionary as your center leader there in Kai. So you're very fortunate to have him as your leader. So under his leadership, you're going to thrive. Um, I'm no expert in autonomous vehicles. I'm a material science and engineering guy. But I can tell you that the center uh, would offer me a chance to study how traffic patterns and load distributions affect the life of materials, the kind that we've been talking about. Uh, this track uh, will be a realistic scale model of how the pavement structure reacts to automated traffic. You know, for example, automated vehicles can be spaced uh, in trains or in, in connected vehicles with different spacing intervals uh, among the vehicles, different delay times between a load applications. Those delay periods affect the way, for example, the asphalt composite response. Every time a load passes over an asphalt pavement, that loading cycle uh, is the effect, the damage that the, the load does is time dependent. The rate, the, the uh, speed of the traffic. It's also dependent upon how much rest you have between load cycles. I've done about 25 to 30 years of my career has been spent on looking at the effects of recovery of the asphalt composite during rest periods. The molecular orientation, the molecules can orient themselves back into a configuration during the rest period that will allow it to, to partially heal or recover from the damage that occurs during the load cycle. So the spacing of these actual, these automated vehicles is critical. And the, 
actually determining how far apart that you might need to have them to optimize the pavement life is uh, is something that you could study and something in, in this test track. This is a opportunity to really validate from an experiment, uh, uh, validate or rebut our hypothesis in the way that these uh, the asphalt pavements and concrete pavements, especially the asphalt pavements, behave. I say especially because I'm more in the asphalt area than in the concrete area, but I'm sure it's just as important for concrete. But it's a it's a validation, experimental validation of the hypotheses and models that we've developed, and it's it's a it's crucial. So I, I think it's a, a very wise investment. Wonderful. Well, you mentioned uh, self-healing properties in our pavements, and I guess I, you know, I never really realized, uh, you know, that existed, right? And so I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, we we look at things like that, and what are some of the the new things that might come into play as we talk about changing and shifting of infrastructure. So absolutely, I think it's it's going to be super interesting, and um, you know, in looking towards you know future developments like that, you know, what do you what do you hope or what do you aspire, you know, one day that will be your legacy that you leave at Texas A&M? I'm a realist and uh, I think that unless your last name is Einstein, you probably won't be remembered very long. So I really want to settle for being remembered as a good person with a good sense of humor. Probably that's the best legacy that I can have. But I would really uh, hope that uh, that if, if I can be remembered by anything in the research area that... Uh, that we made a difference in the way that we uh, looked at some of these materials and that, that, that our research was well used and well cited. So that's, that's about all I can hope for. And I'll tell you that it's, uh, the other you know, legacy would be that uh, to know that I've been able to work with uh, experts like Imad Al-Qaeda and, and Errol Tatumler, a lot of the people that you have there at the University of Illinois and, and other centers of excellence around the nation. So that working together with good colleagues like that is, a, is, a, is the best legacy a person can have. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that's all I had for today. Dallas, thank you so much for all you continue to do for transportation research. And I so appreciate your willingness to join us on the podcast. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for staying tuned in. The Drive Forward Podcast is a production of Illinois Center for Transportation, a research center of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. We invite you to subscribe to the Drive Forward Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And while you're there, feel free to like or rate us. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation rolling by using the hashtag DriveForward. Forward.